Hello, on this episode, I'm talking to Shana Rattler. Uh, she's a leading expert in corporate sponsorship and influencer marketing. Hello, Shana. Thanks for joining me. Hi, how is everybody doing today? Oh, it's a, it's a tiring day in the UK. It's just coming to the end of it. So uh, I'm uh, I'm ready for a Friday night chill down before the weekend. Yeah, well, we're getting close. It's 10 o'clock in the morning on Friday oh. in Dallas, Texas. So we're just a little bit behind you. Just started. You've got the whole day ahead yeah. of you. On your LinkedIn profile, it says uh, that you've mastered what it takes to gain and keep attention uh, of customers. Can you dive into a little bit of this? Tell, tell, tell us how that works. Absolutely. So, you know, we live in an attention economy. We are inundated with thousands and thousands of messages, particularly marketing messages every single day. So whether you are a small business owner of one or whether you are a corporation of you know, a billion dollars of revenue, it's hard to get and keep the attention of customers today, right? Like there's so much noise in the marketplace. Like how do you stand out and gain new customers, keep the ones you have? And I have really, you know, spent some time trying to figure out, well, how do you do that? Well, the first thing is, is that you have to really be clear on what it is that your clients want. You know, don't don't just assume that you have what they want to need, like do the work that it takes to find out what they want to need. And then where are they and how do they want to consume content? I work with a lot of clients, especially big corporations that, you know, they, they tell me about the product or service that they want to sell. They tell me who they want to sell it to. And then when I look at where they're spending millions of dollars on advertising and marketing, that's not even where their customers are swimming if you will. And I just think that it's very important if you're going to be in business for the long haul, you have to spend a considerable amount of time figuring out what your audience wants. Where are they? Like when we were growing up, then our moms always told us, don't stand in the traffic, like get out of the way of traffic or you're going to be hit. Well, in business, it's just the opposite. You have to put yourself in the traffic so you can be hit, right? And so, I, you know, I think that I've, I've done a pretty good job of doing that in my own business and teaching my, my clients of small and large the exact same thing of how do, you, how do you break through the noise in the marketplace? It's interesting you say that. A lot of people I speak to, they just want to get new business, but they don't think yeah. about how to get new business. They, they're screaming and shouting into the void. They're not, they're not finding the customers and putting themselves in front of them, really. And it, it's amazing that they'll go to any lengths to do anything else apart from find out who their customers are and go and meet them where they are. It's amazing. Is there a particular approach that works quite well in terms of doing that? Well, I will also say to your point that even if they are doing it, they're not spending enough time doing it. You know, when I have a new business owners that are coming to me, I say, why are we spending so much time and resources on building our products building our programs, you know, and then you have nobody to sell to. So when you're right. off of the runway and you're off to the races, now no one knows that you exist. So when you want to think about methods, it really just depends on who it is that you're, you're selling to. Like, let's just take social media. It's 2019. You can't get away from social media. If you think you can, you can't. So you have to ask yourself, like, you know, what is the age group of my audience and where are they when it comes to social media? My son is 22 years old. He's not on Facebook. He only lives 
on Snapchat and Instagram. Those of us who are 40 and older, we're very seldom on Snapchat or Instagram. We may be on Instagram a little bit, even if we understand it, but we're on Facebook. You have to really take the time to find out where is your audience? Are they online at all? More than likely they are, but those are just some of the questions. And so when it comes to methods, there's not a cookie cutter answer because it's different mm. for every single demographic. Yeah, that's true. Some, sometimes, Shane, I wish I could be off social media. It's, it's sometimes a bit too you want to cut yourself out but you're absolutely right i think you've got to really isolate where what your audience are into uh, particularly on social media and make sure you're in the right place talking the right language because it's so often you see people not only shouting into the void but they're shouting about things that appeal to them not what appeals to their audience right and the marketing medium that you choose doesn't even make sense for your product or service you know, like when I am scrolling through, you know, Facebook, there's just certain things that I'm not even wanting to see or wanting to yeah. look for. Yeah. So, you know, if you put toilet paper in front of me when I'm on Facebook, I'm probably not even going to pay attention to it. You know, if it's an ad, I'm going to scroll past it. If you're doing a video talking about it, I'm probably not going to stop because that's not what I spend my time on Facebook for. So, you know, I think oftentimes in business, we're should it on. Like you should do this. You should do that. Well, you have to ask yourself, is that should, does it even make sense for my business or my product or service? Because it may not. Just before we go on, I think it's always interesting for people to really understand a little bit of background to business owners, because often people will see people doing well and they'll assume that's something magic. That's something that they've done, which happens overnight. Do you mind just sharing a little bit of your background and just how you got to where you are? <laughs> yeah. So... I'm actually a physical therapist by trade. I went to physical therapy school. I graduated. And um, when I got out of school, like all these contracts were coming to me, like, we need your help over here. We need your help over there. And I'm like, well, obviously there's only one of me. So there's mm -hmm. only so many contracts I can fulfill. And so they were like, well, just get the contracts and you do the evals and get other therapists to do the treatments. And, and so long story short, without going into all the boring details, Within three, like probably four to six months after graduating from physical therapy school, I had a healthcare staffing agency. Within 90 days of opening it, I had 23 therapists that worked for me. And so overnight, I was a business owner. You know, I had to figure it out. And so people were coming to me. They're like, you're 28 years old. You've got a big house. You've got a fancy car. You're running a business. Like, what does it take to start and grow a business? So I was coaching people before I even knew what coaching was. I sold my staffing agency, sold my mom along with it. I like to jokingly say, because she was my <laughs> office manager. When I sold the company, she went along with it. So I jokingly say I sold my mom. And I went into business coaching full time. But the contracts were not falling into my lap like they were in healthcare. Like I thought business was going to be a cakewalk because that had been my experience. So in 2011 is when I sold my staffing agency. I started coaching full time. And by 2012, I was filing bankruptcy because I knew that I was good at what I did. But people were like, oh, I would love to work with you, but I just don't have the money to do so. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, when you're selling to other small business owners or individual consumers, many of them either don't value investing in themselves or they don't have the money to do so. So here I was great at what I did. And here I am in the in the foreclosure line, filing bankruptcy so that I don't have to foreclose on my home. But failure was not an option. Being an entrepreneur was not an option. So here I am in my attorney's office holding on to the end of my road, like what in the world am I going to do? And so I thought to myself, well, if you can teach others how to be effective, efficient, productive, all these things that you're doing for business owners, why don't you just do that for corporations? Because they do value investing in their people and they do have the money to pay you. So that's how I got into the world of contracting and corporate sponsorship. And when I saw 
what getting those big checks from the big boys can do to your bottom line, I have not turned back. I, I don't work with small, well, I do work with small business owners, but I'm teaching them how to get corporate checks checks, which is what we're going to, you know, talk about today. So I, I just, failure not an option for me. And I knew that I was kick-ass at what I did. I was just selling the wrong thing to the wrong people. To the wrong people. The wrong That's people. a great insight. Point. How, yeah. how did you bridge that gap? Well, it took me 18 to 24 months of skinning my knees and wasting a lot of time and wasting a lot of money to figure out how do you get your foot in the door with a corporation? How do you get them to work with you versus the vendor that they've always worked, worked through before? And I read mm -hmm. everything could possibly read. I scheduled coffee with as many people in corporations that were responsible for contracts. I went to conferences where small business owners were there because they were getting corporate contracts. And I just learned everything that I could because it was a new world. A lot of what I realized is that the same things that we learn in sales and marketing as a small business owner is transferable to corporations right. with the one question of the fact that when you're selling to another corporation, so they call that B2B, business to business, it's all built on relationships. Very yeah. seldom is a corporation going online mm -hmm. and uh, you know searching for the next trainer, so searching for the next consultant. 85% of their sales comes from corporate, you know, comes from relationships. And so I really had to figure out how do I put on relationships? And you what you know what I want to learn, know what I learned? You had to put on pants and get out from behind your computer. What? Like you mean I can't just build this online? I can't just have an opt-in. I can't just have a podcast. No, dude, you've got to put on pants and get out from behind your computer and build relationships. I'm sorry. Yeah, you, just, you, you did the hard work. I became a sponge and I realized you got to put on pants and get out from behind your computer. Yeah. And that's not what we're accustomed to as small business owners. Yeah, it's, it's so, so often people just expect it to land on them. They say, why isn't it happening? Why aren't people finding my website? Well, sometimes you just yeah. have to get out there to, to meet them. <laughs> that's what we think. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. So just in the intro, I mentioned that you, you sort of really focus and you're an expert on corporate sponsorship and influencer marketing. I mean, I'm fascinated by this. And I think it's an area that a lot of people don't understand how it works, you know, what, how people become influencers and how that can benefit big, big companies. But could you give us an insight into what you mean by corporate sponsorship, just, just to set the scene? Absolutely. So to set the stage, I want to just talk about why is this even important for a small business owner for two reasons. One, the average small business owner is self-funding everything that they're doing in their business. Or worse, we're not doing everything that we would like to do in our business because we don't have the cash flow to support it. The other thing that I know about small business owners is that we're constantly creating new stuff, right? Like we're always in launch mode. It's always about the next launch. It's always about the next product, the next event. Create, create, create. Well, corporate sponsorship is the best form of leverage that's out there for small business owners because it's money for what you've already created. So now, not only can you get a larger check than what you're probably getting from your clients that you have now, but you're getting paid for what it is that you're already doing in your business. So now you can actually leverage your efforts and get off this perpetual launch wheel. So let's talk mm -hmm. about what is a corporate sponsor. So basically, we talked about we are in an attention economy. So even if you are... Apple. I think everybody across the world knows who Apple is. They're still struggling to get the attention of potential consumers. So Apple sells what? They sell electronics. Let's just pick computers, right? And small business owners have to have computers to run their business. So Ben, if your audience is small business owners, Apple is going to go, huh? Well, instead of me spending millions of dollars on commercials and nobody's going to watch my commercial unless it's the Super Bowl, like, why don't I just partner with Ben? Like, why don't I just, you know, what are all the different things that Ben is doing for his audience? And I'm totally going to make this up. 
But let's just say Ben has a podcast. Ben has a mastermind and Ben has a Facebook group. So if Ben can say, look, Apple, here's the three ways that I'm in front of small business owners all year long. If I give you access and visibility to these small business owners and you're providing valuable content and all of these different things that I'm doing, I already have the attention of my audience. They're already taking action with me. So if I give you access and exposure to my audience, guess what they're going to do? They're probably going to take action with you, which means buy, buy your computers. That's all influencer marketing and corporate sponsorship is. If you have an audience and your audience is paying attention to you and they're taking action with you, a corporation will partner with you. Even if you've only been in business six months, if you can show that they're engaging with you, they'll cut you a check. Now, obviously there's more layers to that, but on the surface, that's all a corporate sponsorship is. That's all influencer marketing is, is giving them access and visibility to your audience so that they can then become their consumer as well. And that's an interesting way of looking at it. Um, something I wouldn't have thought of, actually. You think of an influencer as someone who's on Instagram, who's who's going shopping. They've got a haul. They come back and they, they do little videos of what they've got. And you think that is an influencer. It's someone who's doing it from their bedroom, let's say. But what you're yeah, saying is that actually that can, that can be someone who's got a small business and they build up a, the attention of their customers. They're already making money from those customers anyway. And you're saying this is another angle where you utilize everything you're doing already and you can just bring in this the, the corporate sponsorship who, who can then get the attention of your customers as well. Because you're, you have influence on your audience. If you're on social yeah. media, if you have a blog, if you have programs and courses, you have influence, you're an influencer over your audience. And, you know, and so whether you are the, you know, the YouTube sensation or whether you're a sales trainer or a business coach, a motivational speaker or anything in between, or even if you have a smoothie shop, you have an audience that is engaging with you. True. And yeah. so a corporation is going to go, well, huh, I may be able to cut Ben a check for $25,000 and actually sell $500,000 worth of computers, or I can spend a million dollars on commercials. Who knows if anybody's going to see it? And I might sell five computers, which is going to be the higher ROI. And they're paying attention to that because they recognize that their traditional advertising and marketing is not working. So it's time for us to step up and recognize that these dollars are for us. These dollars are dollars that we can get in 2019, because again, it's for what you've already created. You haven't heard anything in my story that you now have to go out and create. It's for what you're already doing in your business. So many people probably saw the title of this podcast and said, you know what? I've always wondered or I've always wanted them. So I'm going to go hear what this little country girl has to say, but it's probably going to be a 2025 strategy. No, this could be a 2019 strategy if you're willing to break the cycle and do something. Different. Yeah, it's certainly a very interesting idea. Could you give us an idea about what what corporations are looking for? Because I understand, I, I understand the concept, but surely yes. there are specific metrics, numbers and language that they're looking for that's going to help you get closer to them. Right. So the very first thing that you have to have to get started is a clear, defined target market. And here why so well one if you're not if you think your products and services are for anyone and any any anyone or everyone like you're shooting yourself in the foot in business anyway so i'll take my sponsorship hat off and put my marketing hat on and say stop doing that right because now your messaging is so vanilla that nobody knows that you're for them yeah. so now sponsorship hat back on because i don't want to get on my soapbox so if I am a creation, I know what target market I'm looking to serve for this particular product or service or this particular launch. 
So if your target market is millennials and this corporation is looking to target senior citizens, that's not going to be in good alignment. And so it's not going to matter what you say. So the very first thing is that you have to demonstrate to them that the target market that you serve is the target market that they're looking to get in front of. When it comes to the actual metrics, there's not any certain percentage that they're looking for, but you do want to be able to demonstrate that your audience has taken action with you. So let me just use a couple of examples. If you have a Facebook ad, how many people are opening it and then subscribing to the webinar? If you have a webinar, how many people are actually showing up? If you have a newsletter, how many people actually open it and click on the links? Know your general percentages. If you're on social media, how many people are commenting, sharing, participating in your contest? And what they're going to be looking for is, is your audience engaging with them? Because remember, your engagement is always going to be much greater than your reach. So, you know, people are always like, how many followers do I have to have? How many people do I have on my list? They're more concerned with are they engaging with you because they want to return on investment. So there is no like line in the sand of you have to have a 45% conversion. It just really depends on your business, but you just want to be able to show, I have people, you're going to hear me say it over and over again, that are taking action with me. That means they're probably going to take action with you. So that's the first thing that you have to have. You have to show that you're, you have a clear defined target market and you need to be able to show that they're taking action with you. It's really simple. And is there a, a good way to get in front of these people? It's something we mentioned, or you certainly brought up at the beginning of this interview uh, about getting Absolutely. in front of the right people. What are there some good tactics in terms of doing that? You know, you've got you've got your good numbers together. You've you've you're effectively marketing to these corporations. Yeah. Where do you go from there? The first thing that I say is I say, what companies are within two hours of where you live? And then, like, where do you find people inside of a corporation before, during, and after work? Well, when it comes to work things, if you have chambers of commerce, if you have business journals, if you have any business networking organization, they're at those. They're at industry and association um, conferences. You know, they're at fundraisers for nonprofits. They're at openings for museums. Like where do decision makers, and we're not talking about the front desk clerk. We're talking about middle management and up. They have to have buying authority. Where are you going to find those people before, during, and after work? Most times, so there's two reasons why a corporation would, would, would sponsor you. Either it's a cause that they care about, and that means that's going to come out of their giving budget, or it's an advertising and marketing expense. And if you're a small business owner, probably 85% plus time, it's going to be an advertising and marketing thing. You know, they want your customer to become their customer. So, you know, are there advertising and marketing associations in your backyard? Can you go to LinkedIn and say, this company is located in my backyard and my backyard is within two hours because you can easily drive there. Can I go to LinkedIn and put in AC Corporation advertising, ABC Corporation marketing. So where, where can you find those people? Those are just a few of the examples of different, you know, so go to your calendar and figure out where can you go in the next 30 days where you can start to have conversations and say, hey, you know, this is the target market that I serve. And if you're looking to serve that target market, you know, we may need to talk about how we can help one another. You notice I didn't say sponsor my stuff. I didn't say let me post for you because nobody wants to be sold to. And you don't want to look like the little old small business owner who just needs to come to the big corporation and get a check. You want to be viewed yeah. as their peer and say, yeah. look, 
I have impact and influence in my arena, as do you. Let's talk about how we can help one another. That's how you get your foot in the door. That's great, actually. And, and interesting, just at the end there, you touched on a point which I've seen many YouTubers perhaps face when they've, uh, you know, your typical influencer, perhaps, where they've moved into getting corporate sponsorship. And it's had an adverse effect on their, and I'll put in quotes, customers, because they may, they may just be viewers. They're not necessarily buying anything. They're just providing ad revenue for them. Do you think that this process could have an adverse effect on customers? And is there a way of managing that process? Well, the thing about it is, is that these corporations have been in the game a long time. So they recognize yucky advertising and marketing versus non-yucky advertising and marketing. So they're not going to turn your blog or your social media into a NASCAR, right? Like there's not going to just be advertisement. You know, they go to your website now and there's nothing but advertisements. That's not what that yeah. is. But let's just say, for example, you're on Facebook. You have a Facebook page. Maybe you have a Facebook group. And let's just say that you are a sales coach, right? And there is a corporation out there that has a product or service that would be valuable to your audience. So could you not come on in your Facebook page or in your Facebook group and interview them and they provide valuable content just like you and I are? And at the end of that, they can say, and by the way, our product or service XYZ is going to help you streamline your process. And if you go to this link, you can get that for 25% off. That's not going to have an advert effect because you're providing value. You know, the same rules of engagement for advertising and marketing, they know those rules of engagement just like you are. If you're advertising and every time you turn around, every five seconds, there's now a commercial that's popping up, that's not sponsorship and that's not proper influencing marketing. So I don't even teach that yucky stuff. I teach how can you give them visibility and exposure to what you're already doing in a valuable way? And then and only then do they make an offer. Then and only then are you going to have um, even know what it is that they're selling. It's not going to be just yuck, 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 yuck. That's just going to ruin your reputation, which who wants to do that? When you th think about the time that it takes to build the trust of your audience and get them to buy from you, the last thing you want to do is shoot yourself in the foot by just boom, boom, boom. Yeah, so we don't, we're not going to do that. Yeah, and I think if, if done right, it adds value to what you're doing as well. You know, the products and services coming from the, the companies should, should add on and be something that's particularly useful for your audience anyway. I see it a lot exactly. in podcasts. The best adverts on podcasts are something that feel like it's a recommendation from them as a friend anyway. And they're, they're genuinely recommending it, even though they are being paid for it as well. Is that even though we're calling this something that may be new terminology to you, it's things that people are already doing and have been doing for years. We as small business owners just have not been taking advantage of it. In the United States, corporations spend $23 billion a year. And most of that is left on the table because we're not showing up and asking. Yeah, I'd be interested to find out that stat, actually. I might look into it. I mean, effectively, as you're saying, you're taking an existing idea and really showing small businesses how they can benefit from that. I mean, it's great. Can you give me some examples of challenges along the way in terms of you moving to that um, perspective? The biggest challenge is usually fear, you know, because we assume that this person has a position at a big company, that there's like some corporate lingo, that there's the right thing to say and the wrong thing to say. Like these are people. Like one of the things that I can tell you is that when you start going to these corporate conferences, these people are a lot of fun. They drink, they have a good time. They, you know, they do the same things in their lives that you and I do. They just have a different title behind their name than what you and I have. And so the biggest thing is fear is that people are scared to get out and do something like this 
because of the size of the organization and the intimidation factor that might come along with that. But what I tell my clients, and I talk about this in my book, is that go in and just have a conversation. So if you're talking about what it is that you do in the world and the impact that you're having and how you're getting results for people and the impact that that's having across the board, like who can talk better about that than you? And so if you go in and you have those conversations, they're going to fall in love with you. They're going to fall in love with what you're doing, and they're going to want to find ways to play with you. So the biggest challenge is A, having the fear to get started and B, not asking for enough. Now, it's very difficult for the sake of this conversation to get into pricing because those variables that, you know, mm. that, that go into that. I talk about it in the book. But if you're asking a corporation for less than five to ten thousand dollars, they're going to assume that you don't know what you're doing. It's right. like if I told you, hey, you can work with me one on one for a year. You're going to have unlimited access to me. I'm going to talk to you for an hour every single day. I'm going to spend every single weekend with you. You're going to come to my house in the summer and it's nine hundred and ninety seven dollars. You're like that girl does not know what she's doing. So those are those are the biggest challenges. Outside of that, everything is figure outable. I know that's not a word, but I like to say it. Everything is figure outable because. What I say is that when you get your foot in the door, let's just say you're at a meeting and you say, hey, Ben, um, you know, I know that Coca-Cola is looking to get in front of more women this year. I serve women. It might be make sense for us to talk about how we can help one another. And then when I get in the meeting with you and I'm like, well, hey, Ben, you know, like what have you guys been doing to reach women? What would you like to do more of? Oh, awesome. Well, I actually have this whole group of women over here on Facebook. And once a week I go in and I do this, that and the other thing. Like, do you think that having access to that group would help you meet your goals. Oh, really? Well, how many times a month do you think you would want to do that? So then, you know, outside of that, you guys are just co-creating the solution. So I think we think we have to have it all figured out. And that's usually not the case. I find that in business, whether I'm working with a corporation, or I'm working with a small business owner, when we co-create what that solution is going to look like, that's when the people get the best results anyway. It's not this off the shelf package, right? Yeah, that's good advice. I just think I, I know a lot of people who like to have all their ducks lined up before they approach these sort of things. But I, I agree with you. Maybe they should work on that a little bit if that makes them feel more comfortable. At the end of the day, they should just talk to people and find find them and talk to them like humans and work something out. Because you're you're right. You're doing you're working with them and helping them as a business as much as they they you know they're going to. I do go in with like levels per se, but I present it as a way as this is just a way that it can look. Yeah. Because what happens is is that people will send over a proposal. They haven't had the opportunity to find out exactly what their client wants and needs. So the client looks at the proposal. They then determine that it's not what they want to need. And then it's just a no. So I do have some framework in place where it's just like, hey, you know, we, it could look like this for $10,000 or it could look like this for $20,000 or any variation. So I have in mind, you know, what it could look like, but I really want us to co-create what's going to best work for both of us. So, you know, so if you're that type A person that has to have everything glossy and everything ironed out, I'm not saying that you can't do that if it makes you feel better, but just let that be something that you're saying, I've just created what it could look like, but I really want us to co-create the solution. Because at that point, you really don't even know what their budget is. So if they tell you, hey, look, based on where we are in the year, we only have $10,000 left. Well, you don't want to go in with a $25,000 package and a $50,000 package because then it's just automatically a no. Like, get over it. You'll you just do it once or twice. You'll get over it. I've also learned in business that uh, certainly when you're in a sales situation, which is what that would be, you shouldn't be too prescriptive. You should be asking questions. You should be really feeling them out first because you might go in with a low figure and that makes it look bad. Or you might go in the too high figure and they really just want to just try it out, test you out first. 
first before they yeah. put, put more money in. So it's really about making sure that they understand who you are and that they, you know, I, I guess like you as a person as well. Some skill set that you should be implementing in your business anyway is transferable. And yeah. if as you're listening to this, you realize that there's things that we're talking about that you're doing wrong in your business, then fix it. Fix it first, because I would rather you shoot yourself in the foot for a thousand dollar program with an individual than a fifty thousand dollar sponsorship. So if you're listening, you're like, dang, I haven't I've been doing this all wrong in business. Well, then fix that first, but fix it fast, like fail forward fast. You mentioned your book a few times. Just walk us through. Is it, is it something that's going to take people through step by step and really give them a, a bit of a, a plan of action in terms of approaching corporates? Absolutely. So I have a three part prank framework that's called position, package, and pitch. And it's going to walk you through step by step from the moment that you decide that you want to sponsor to the time that they leave from whatever that activation was and everything in between. I, I don't care if you're motivated. So this book has no fluff in it. I'm going to assume that you came motivated. It's even going to tell you that in the front of the book. It's not a book where you're just going to get the what and the why and none of the how. You can literally take this book and get your first check. And then at the end of it, I have a 60-day quick start checklist. Look like, okay, I'll do everything that you need to do to the letter. Now, here's what I want you to do over the next 60 days. And this is the framework that I have used for people like Steve Harvey. I've used for major corporations. I've used for influencers just like you and I that may only be known in your niche because you need the right knowledge, you need the right tools, and you need the right relationships. And it's completely broken down step by step. That is certainly my kind of book that gets straight into the action. I don't know if it's backwards or not, but here's what it looks like. No. It's Secrets from Any Corporate Sponsorship. You can read it in a day. Oh, it's look not at that. Yeah. didn't fill it with a bunch of crap makes me very happy that it's that that thin because i i want a book that's going to give me the the information it's not you know get get into it straight away that's great do you have it as you an audio version as well it's not a bunch of crap i didn't yeah. i didn't fill it fill it. i mean could i have made it 150 pages yes but i chose to make it how many pages is it 80 <laughs> you know what i mean for that very reason because I, I you don't need all that extra i just and that's my personality too. Like I'm the person that when you call me, I don't need all of the back stuff. I don't need you to build me up. I just need you to tell me what I'm getting, what it's going to do for me and how much it's going to cost me. So I, I communicate with others in the way that I want people to communicate with me. So I'm like, look, in 60 pages, I can tell somebody how to go get a check. Like it don't take all that. Now, if I'm particularly uh, lazy, I, I drive a lot. So audiobooks are really good. Is it available in audio at the moment? Yes, it is. Excellent. Is this available on your website or through Amazon? Where can we get that sort of stuff? Uh, if they go to corporate sponsorsecrets.com it'll take you straight to the link where you can get it it's less than 10 bucks to cover this great what a great christmas present for clients that'll be to, to round off can you give me two pieces of advice that people after they've listened to this they're enthused they think yes i can do this there's something really good here apart from buying your book let's let's consider that done that people go and get your book what are the next two steps that you think that they need to do before they uh, engage in this? Create your target list. So, and, and one, let me say this, corporation does not have to be Coca-Cola. Corporation can be that mid-sized company that you're driving past every single day that mm. has 500 employees because they have products and services that they want to sell as well. It can be your bank that you've been putting your money into for years. It can be your state farm or whatever your local insurance agent is that you've given money to for years. So recognize that corporation does not just have to be 
the big Fortune 500, Dell, McDonald's, Coca-Cola. Create your target list. So what I would do is I would tell you to go to Google. And so there, here's the two things that I want people to do within 48 hours of listening to this podcast. Number one is I want you to go to Google and I want you to find out what mid-sized to large companies are within two hours of where you live, right? And then of those do they sell products and services that would be a good fit for your audience? That's going to now become your target list so that when you get the book, you already know which companies to implement that with. The second thing that I want you to do is I want you to go to Google and I want you to find three events that are happening within the next 30 days where you can go out and start to have conversations. And don't worry, I'm going to tell you what to say. I want you to find out, are there chambers of commerce? Are there industry and trade show conferences? Are there advertising and marketing conferences? Are there nonprofits that are having a fundraiser? Because what I want you to do is I want you to, and if you're not talking to the advertising and marketing person, then you just want to know if they would be willing to make an introduction to the decision maker that's over advertising and marketing. Don't even tell them that it's about sponsorship and influencer marketing because nobody wants to be sold to. But here's what you say. So let's just assume that you know that this event that you're at, you know that you just met Jane and Jane is over advertising and marketing. And you've already gone to the website of those companies on your target list because you know that they're looking to get in front of your audience so that you can say to Jane, hey Jane, I saw on your website or in a press release or wherever you got the information because you're now going to find out everything you can about those 10 to 12 companies that are likely on your target list. And you're going to say, hey Jane, I saw on your website or press release, whatever's relevant, that you guys are looking to get in front of more teenage girls. I happen to have a business where that's who I serve in some pretty unique ways online and offline. It might make sense for us to talk about how we can help one another. Oh, great. When are you free to do that? Then shut up. Don't say anything else until you get the meeting. And then when you get the book, I'm going to tell you word for word what to say in the meeting. Like when I tell you I didn't leave anything out of this little gym, I didn't leave anything out of this little gym. So that's what you do. You're going to find out what companies are within two hours of where you live. Find out which ones sell products and services that would make sense for your audience. That now becomes your target list. And then where can you go in the next 30 days so that you can start to build relationships? Because relationship currency is the most effective form of currency that you will ever have in your business. And then last, get out and do it. Don't let this be a 2025 strategy. Let this be a 2019 strategy. Even if you're just starting with your bank, even if you're just starting with your insurance company, let this be something that you snap into what you're already doing now, because that's what the check is for, is for what you've already created. There isn't any other money out there for what you've already created. So that in and of itself should give you goosebumps. I'm really excited now. I've got, I a, love got, this got, a, I've got, got my challenge for the weekend. Now you're going to be able to increase your income and work less doing it. I kind of like that. That's leverage. Yeah. And that's the key to growing and scaling your business is leverage, not doing more. And I, I think you're going to add more value to your, the customers you've already got in, in, in doing this sort of process anyway, because you've got more more time for them. Thanks very exactly. much, Shana. I mean, there's there's a ton here. I'm going to make sure a lot of people um, get hold of it. But that was great. Thank you very much. Hello, and thanks for listening. You can find more interviews just like this one with fascinating people and covering subjects such as blockchain, marketing automation, SEO, and scaling your business by visiting our website, ratherinventive.com slash podcast. But to get the latest episodes the moment they are available, you should subscribe directly in Apple Podcasts, 
Overcast or on YouTube. If you'd like to get in touch with me, I'm at Ben Kinnaird on Twitter, or you can email hello at ratherinventive.com. <laughs>